Good afternoon, congregation. Again, a warm welcome to all visitors worshipping with us. Council had the following announcement. Due to the departure of Elder Clarence de Vries, Council invites the congregation to submit names of eligible candidates for the office of Elder. Signed letters will be received until August 29, 2011. Arrestation has been requested by Robert Howling to the Canadian Reformed Church of Vernon. Today we welcome Reverend Simon of the Willoughby Canadian Reformed Church to lead our worship service again this afternoon. And our song of approach is Psalm 100, all verses. Brothers and sisters, please rise. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Grace 
and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and ruler of the kings on the earth. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing in response to the greeting of the Lord our God from Psalm 9, the standards 1, 4, 5, and 10. Brothers and sisters, baptism is requested by Beckham Clean Schutten for their daughter, Hannah Elise Schutten. Let us now first read the form for the baptism of infants, as you can find it on page 587 of the Book of Praise.
beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the doctrine of holy baptism is summarized as follows. First, we and our children are conceived and born in sin and are therefore by nature children of wrath, so that we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we are born again. This is what the immersion in or sprinkling with water teaches us. It signifies the impurity of our souls so that we may detest ourselves, humble ourselves before God, and seek our cleansing and salvation outside of ourselves. The second baptism signifies and seals to us the washing away of our sins through Jesus Christ. We are therefore baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into the name of the Father, God the Father testifies and seals to us that he establishes an eternal covenant of grace with us. He adopts us for his children and heirs and promises to provide us with all good and avert all evil or turn it to our benefit. When we are baptized into the name of the Son, God the Son promises us that he washes us in his blood from all our sins and unites us with him in his death and resurrection. Thus we are freed from our sins and accounted righteous before God. When we are baptized into the name of the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit assures us by this sacrament that he will dwell in us and make us living members of Christ, imparting to us what we have in Christ, namely the cleansing from our sins and the daily renewal of our lives, till we shall finally be presented without blemish among the assembly of God's elect in life eternal. Third, since every covenant contains two parts, a promise and an obligation, we are, through baptism, called and obliged by the Lord to a new obedience. We are to cleave to this one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to trust Him and to love Him with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and with all our strength. We must not love the world, but put off our old nature and lead a God-fearing life. And if we sometimes through weakness fall into sins, we must not despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin, for baptism is a seal and trustworthy testimony that we have an eternal covenant with God. Although our children do not understand all this, we may not therefore exclude them from baptism. Just as they share without their knowledge in the condemnation of Adam, so are they without their knowledge received into grace in Christ. For the Lord spoke to Abraham, the father of all believers, and thus also speaks to us and our children, saying, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God, and the God of your descendants after you. Peter also testifies to this when he says, The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Therefore, in the old dispensation, God commanded that infants be circumcised. This circumcision was a seal of the covenant and of the righteousness of faith. Christ also took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. In a new dispensation, baptism has replaced circumcision. Therefore, 
infants must be baptized as heirs of the kingdom of God and of his covenant. And as they grow up, their parents have the duty to, to instruct them in these things. In order that we may now administer this holy sacrament of God to his glory, for our comfort, and to the upbuilding of the congregation, let us call upon his holy name. Almighty, eternal God, in your righteous judgment you punished the unbelieving and unrepentant world with a flood. But in your great mercy saved and protected the believer Noah and his family. You drowned the obstinate Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea, but let your people Israel through the midst of the sea on dry ground, by which baptism was signified. We therefore pray that you in your infinite mercy will graciously look upon this, your child, and incorporate her by your Holy Spirit into your Son, Jesus Christ, so that she may bury it with him by baptism into death and raised with him to walk in newness of life. We pray that she, following him day by day, may joyfully bear her cross and cleave to him in true faith, firm hope, and ardent love. Grant that she, comforted in you, may leave this life, which is no more than a constant death, and at the last day may appear without terror before the judgment seat of Christ, your Son. All this we ask through him, our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you and the Holy Spirit, one only God, lives and reigns forever. Amen. Doug and Clee, may I ask you to rise? Beloved in Christ the Lord, you have heard that baptism is an ordinance of the Lord our God to seal to us and our children in his covenant. We must therefore use this sacrament for that purpose and not out of custom or superstition. That it may be clear then that you desire baptism for the right purpose, you are to answer sincerely the following questions. First, do you confess that our children, though conceived and born in sin, and therefore subject to all sorts of misery, even to condemnation, are sanctified in Christ, and thus as members of his church, ought to be baptized? Second, do you confess that the doctrine of the Old and New Testament, summarized in the confessions and taught here in the Christian church, is a true and complete doctrine of salvation? Third, do you promise, as father and as mother, to instruct your child in his doctrine as soon as she is able to understand and to have her instructed therein to the utmost of your power? What is your answer, Brother Shudan? Mr. Shudan. Brothers and sisters, let us then sing after baptism, hymn 50. Eight. Well, it's good at standing.
Hannah Elise Schutten, I baptize you into the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us not pray. Almighty, merciful God and Father, we thank and praise you that you have forgiven us and our children all our sins through the blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. You received us through your Holy Spirit as members of your only begotten Son and so adopted us to be your children. You sealed and confirmed this to us by holy baptism. We pray through your beloved Son that you will always govern this child by your Holy Spirit, that she may be nurtured in the Christian faith and in godliness, and may grow and increase in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grant that she thus may acknowledge your fatherly goodness and mercy, which you have shown to her and to us all. May she live in all righteousness under our only teacher, King and High Priest, Jesus Christ, and valiantly fight against and overcome sin, the devil, and his whole dominion. May she forever praise and magnify you and your Son, Jesus Christ, together with the Holy Spirit, the one, only, true God. Amen. 
Brothers and sisters, let us now, together with the Church of all times and all places, profess our undoubted Christian faith in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us do it this afternoon by singing Standing Hymn 1. Brothers and sisters, let us now in our prayer ask the Lord for his blessing and the guidance of his Holy Spirit in his worship service. Let us pray. Almighty God, Father in heaven, we come before you now again in our prayer and we thank you that you come to us with your covenant, that you gave us your covenant promises. The promises which may be proclaimed to us in your word every Sunday again, also in this worship service. And Father, in addition to that, to strengthen our faith, you also gave us the sacrament. This afternoon, we could the sacrament of holy baptism being administered to Hannah. Father, we ask you for your blessing also this afternoon over this worship service. Will you use this baptism to strengthen our faith? Will you use also the preaching of your word that that may build us up, that it may give us faith, that it may strengthen our faith, that it may encourage us to live lives out of faith, lives in which we live with you. And only want to do what is pleasing to you. Father, help us 
to understand your word. Help us to understand also sin, the power of sin, and to fight against sin. And guide us through your Holy Spirit. Give us in a good worship service. May your name be glorified. And you may be strengthened in our faith. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this afternoon I proclaim to the word of God, as this summarized in Lord say, 40 of the Heidelberg Catechism, and there the Catechism speaks about the sixth commandment, about life, and we should not take the life of our neighbor. In connection with that, let us now read from Holy Scripture, first from Genesis 9, verse 1 through to 7, and then from Ephesians 2, verse 1 through to 10. So first we read from Genesis 9, 1 through to 7, that is after the flood, when Noah came out of the ark and built an altar to the Lord. And then we read the word of God. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal. And from each man, too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And now we read Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. There in Ephesians 2, we read the word of God as it comes to us through the Apostle Paul. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. 
but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And it is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Thus far the scripture reading. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing from Psalm 101. Says one, two, three, and six.
Brothers and sisters, let us now read Lord's Day 40 of the Heidelberg Catechism, page 551. Lord's Day 40, there we read how the Church confesses from the Word of God, and I've summarized about the Sixth Commandment. What does God require in the Sixth Commandment? I am not to dishonor, hate, injure or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words or gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or through another, whether I am to put away all desire of revenge. Moreover, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. Therefore, also the government bears the sword to prevent murder. But does this commandment speak only of killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. Is it enough, then, that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No. When God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness toward him, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Brothers and sisters, let us sing after the sermon as our response to God's word, Psalm 133, both stanzas. Beloved brothers and sisters, congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, when God created Adam and Eve, he told them to love him, to live with him in a relationship of love, in which they trusted him and listened to him. And God then also told them that they should not eat from that one tree in the garden. There were so many others, other trees, and they could eat freely from all those trees. But only that one tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they should stay away from that tree. And it was especially from this tree that Adam and Eve wanted to eat. After Satan spoke his deceptive words. And then they didn't love God anymore, but they became jealous. They wanted to be like God. God had said that they would die if they ate from a tree. And that was indeed the punishment that came into this creation, into the life of man. And now we still see the results of this decision of Adam and Eve. We heard it again this afternoon in the form for the baptism, this life which is a constant death. Adam and Eve, they were not alone in the decision. After them, the whole mankind joined them in their evil. Everybody sinned against God. Everyone is sinful. 
There's no one who is good. It even got so terrible that God decided in Genesis 6 to destroy mankind from the face of the earth. Everything that he created was very good on the sixth day. But now it was all so evil that God could not have much joy anymore in his creation. But then we also read that God did not give up his entire creation. Now he saved Noah and his family. However, also that after the flood that would have ended in the same way as before the flood if God did not do more than just making a new start with Noah. We know that now God will make all things new and he is doing so now in Jesus Christ. And only in him are we a new creation. And only in him was it possible that already Noah and the Old Testament found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Only through Jesus Christ there is real new life possible. And I proclaim to you the word of God this afternoon as it comes to us in the sixth commandment summarized under this theme Christ gave his life to give us life. And this teaches us in the first place that our life is important to God. And second, that the life of our neighbor must be important to us. Christ gave his life to give us life. In the first place, it teaches us that our life is important to God. Second, that the life of our neighbor must be important to us. God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel when they were in the desert. After he led them out of Egypt. The Ten Commandments were an official document written on two stone tablets. It was the official document of the covenant of God with his people. God said in the document, this is what I did for you. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And now this is what you must do. Keep these commandments. That did not mean that all those Ten Commandments were new for the Israelites and that they heard them for the first time. No. If you look at the first commandment already in paradise, God told Adam and Eve to believe him only and obey him. No other gods. And if you look at the second commandment several times in Genesis, we can read about the worship of the Lord, about how to worship God. And it started already with Cain and Abel, who both sacrificed to the Lord. But the sacrifice of Cain was not accepted by God. And later God said, to Abram when he ordered that all male descendants should be circumcised, that everyone who did not obey that command should be cut off from among God's people. It's also about how to worship God. It's the same with the sixth commandment, that we shall not murder any human being. God gave this commandment to Noah immediately after the flood, as we read. And we can assume that God gave this commandment already before the flood. Because we read that God holds Cain accountable for his deeds after he killed Abel and, and God punished Cain for his sin. 
That means that Cain must have known that it was wrong, that it was a transgression of God's commandment to kill his brother. But it is in Genesis 9 that it is mentioned explicitly in the Bible as a commandment from God. And there we read together this afternoon in Genesis 9, verse 5. And for your life, blood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting for every animal and for each man too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. Except from those last few words about the image of God, the rest of this commandment, even unbelievers can accept that we shall not murder. That's different with other commandments. The first to the Fourth commandments are not accepted by most of the unbelievers. But the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. Most people agree that it is not good to kill others. But why do they believe that it is not good? Most of them will speak about a kind of absolute respect for the life of fellow human beings. Nobody has a right to take anyone else's life. Some will even ex extend it to the life of animals. There's also the reason that so many of them are against capital punishment and some even against war. We should never kill others, they say, because who put us as judge over others so that we would have the right to kill? We are all equal, they say. Who then would give us the right to make such a definitive, irreversible decision about the existence of a fellow human being? It's most often the reason that unbelievers are against any form of killing others. Well, except when it comes to unborn life. But that is not the basis for the sixth commandment, brothers and sisters. God does not say that we may never kill. No, sometimes he even tells us that we must kill. And already in Genesis 9, we can read that God commands man to kill everybody who kills who kills his neighbor. So the Bible does not speak about an absolute respect for the life of human beings. No, the reason which the Bible gives for this commandment is that God created man, not only us, but also our neighbor, in his image. And what does that mean, to be created in God's image? In short, it means that we are appointed by God as ruler over this creation. We rule over this creation on behalf of God. And we can read about the creation of man in God's image in Genesis 1, verse 28. 26, it starts already. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful 
and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And in Genesis 9, we read that God says that we can even use these creatures that move on the earth for food. And that's also part of ruling over them. But then God draws the line, we shall not kill any human being. Because human beings, they are all created in God's image as rulers over God's creation. And that is why God also mentions that any animal that kills a man must be put to death. Because if that happens that in fact that is a rebellion of that animal against God's institution that man is the ruler over his creation. An animal would kill his king, a man who is ordained over him as king by God. We all human beings are ordained by God as his ambassador who represent him in this creation and who act on his behalf in this creation. And also this newborn child, Hannah, already from the very first beginning, she was created in God's image even before she was born. And she now also has the task to function as God's image. And your parents have the task to instruct her in the Christian doctrine so that she will be able to function in God's image through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is only in faith that we accept and believe that we are created in God's image. Those who don't believe, they don't believe that we are created in God's image. Many nowadays believe that they are a result of evolution. Well, if you are a result of evolution, what is the difference between man and animals? Indeed, where do you draw the line? And they will not speak about having received a task from God and, and having to give account to God. No, the only ones for whom they have to give account is, is their own hearts. And they will, in fact, see themselves as God. And they base the commandment, you shall not murder, only on the equality of man. No one is allowed to take another's life. But we believe that this commandment comes from God. And God does not allow us to murder anyone created in his image. And that is the only reason not to kill any human being. It is God's command. And if we do murder, then we kill God's ambassador. And that is an offense not only to the neighbor, but also and in the first place to God. That not everybody acts as God's image does not mean that he is not created as such. And it is up to God to decide what to do with the unfaithful rulers, the disobedient ambassadors. Remember that Genesis 9 was just after the flood, just after God killed almost the entire mankind because of their sinfulness, because of their disobedience. And in Genesis 6, verse 5, there we can read, The Lord saw 
how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. And then we also read that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And now that we have the entire Bible, now we know that only in Jesus Christ we are able to get new life. We know that only through Jesus Christ we will be restored as the image of God, so that we are able to fulfill our task again as God's image. It is therefore only through Jesus Christ that God did not destroy us, does not destroy us. It was only through Jesus Christ that he saved Noah, and that Noah could find favor in the eyes of the Lord. Christ gave his own life to save us. God loved us so much that he decided to give his one and only son to suffer and to die for us. We heard that again also this afternoon in the form for the baptism. And that shows us how precious we are to him, how important we are to him. But that is not something to boast in, as if it comes from ourselves, as if God can't miss us, and therefore he must save us. No, God can miss us. The flood showed it to us. God can destroy us because of our sins, if that is his desire. And we have nothing to boast in. But it is in Christ that we find favor in God's eyes, only through grace. It is in Christ that God chose to save us and to restore us in our position as his image. And now we are his image on this earth, ordained by him to rule over his creation. In Christ we are able to fulfill our task, and only in Christ. In the second place, we see that the life of our neighbor must be important to us. The sixth commandment is not only a commandment to respect the life of our neighbor, but it is also a commandment to respect our neighbor as created in God's image and also to see ourselves as created in God's image. Instead of destroying our own lives, we should use our lives to serve God as his image. And that means, brothers and sisters, that in the first place, every human being, male and female, it is created in God's image. It has the task, the calling, to act as God's image. But there are so many who don't believe it and refuse to acknowledge God as their God. They don't act as God's image anymore. Uh, that does not give us the right, however, to judge and kill. Because it is still true that he or she is created and ordained as image of God. And only God, his or her sender, can call him back and punish, kill him. We should not do that unless God tells us to do so. That is, that is what happened to the Canaanites. When Israel entered Canaan, then God told the Israelites to kill them, the Canaanites. 
because their sin against God was so severe that those sins, they had reached their full measure. And then God said, Now I will reject these men as my ambassadors, my image, and that means that they had to be killed. And Israel was ordained to execute that judgment. And that does not teach us that we have to kill others, that we have to kill the infidels, that we have to kill the unbelievers. No. The Bible makes it very clear that it was a task specifically given to Israel in that time for those people in Canaan. Now God also gives the government the task to execute his judgment when he says in Genesis 9 that everyone who kills a human being must be killed by men. That is a task for the government. Now, in fact, the government does not just have the right to execute murders, but even the task, the calling to do so. Because murder is an offense against God. Well, later in the Old Testament, God gives rules for situations of unintentional killing. So, not in every situation, capital punishment is the right punishment. But in situations of intentional murder, it is clear that it is not only an offense to our neighbor, but also to God. Because of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can say that we are again the image of God. We are not only created in God's image, but now, through Christ, we also function as God's image, even though we do it imperfectly, but we do. In the meantime, we still live on an earth on which many don't believe and don't live as image of God. But still also then, God maintains that also those who don't act as image of God are still created in God's image. We don't know how God works. We don't know what God's plans are with our non-believing neighbor. It is not our task to judge. It is not our task to punish. And only in certain situations can man be killed and only by the government, which is ordained by God. We should not take the right into our own hands. Therefore, we should not only love our brother and our sister in Christ, we should not only love them, but also our enemy. That is what Christ teaches us in Matthew 5, verse 43. That is on the Sermon on the Mount. There Christ speaks about the commandments and, and he teaches us that we should do much more than not only not killing, not only not to kill them. And in Matthew 5, verse 43, there he says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So our enemy is not always God's enemy. Sometimes we make enemies who should not be our enemies. Unless God makes it clear to us as he did to the Israelites whom he told to kill the Canaanites, the Amalekites, the other peoples. That was specifically in the Old Testament. 
But that is not the case in the New Testament. There Christ tells us to go and make all peoples to his disciples and to teach them. And that is the basis for our attitude towards our neighbor. Christ came to restore mankind in its position before God. And therefore it is our task to, to go to our neighbor and to tell him about his calling and tell him to be faithful in his calling. The only way to do so for him and for anyone is through Christ. Those who remain faithful, no, those who remain unfaithful, those who do not repent, they will be punished by God, not by us. It's not our task to judge. It is our task to preach the gospel. Yes, indeed, then we do have the task to announce judgment in the preaching. Sometimes also to brothers and sisters in discipline. But at the end, it is God who will judge and who will punish. The sixth commandment teaches us to show respect to God's ordinations, to show respect to our neighbor because he has ordained God's image, not because he has a right to live, but because he has a task to live, a task to act as God's image. And based on this, we can say, as the Catechism does, that we shall not only not kill our neighbor, but also show respect to him. We must not hate him either. Every disrespect in whatever way to our neighbor is showing disrespect to someone who is created in God's image. Even those who don't act as such, they're still created in God's image. And therefore, disrespect to anyone created in God's image is disrespect to God. So calling names, is calling names to God's image. And with that, not only an offense to our neighbor, but also to God. Bullying school or at home or in the workplace or anywhere else is not only directed against our neighbor but also directed against God doing nasty things to others at school, at home even just being negative talking negatively about your brother, your sister others in the congregation or the government or whoever, whatever not wanting to say good things about the other that negative attitude, that negative feeling, you don't just do it against your classmate, your brother, your sister, but you do it to Christ. You do it to God. Because you do it to His image. Doing good and showing love to your neighbor, you do it also to Christ. Remember what Christ said in Matthew 25, where He speaks about what will happen at His return, when He will separate the sheep from the goats, there he says that if you did it to one of the least of his brothers, then you did it to him, to Christ. Keep that in mind. Always. Also when you get negative about someone else. When you're fighting with your brother, your sister, with others. When you're gossiping, slandering. It's not out of love. The sixth commandment does not only speak about our neighbor, but also about ourselves. The sixth commandment is not based on the right to live, but on the task to live. We all have a task in God's service, and therefore we must respect our neighbor. And therefore we must also respect our own life. We also have a task to live, and we cannot decide about our own life. We cannot decide when we will die. 
So even if life doesn't make sense to us at all, and we would like to die, then God still says you have a task. Even in those circumstances, a task to witness or something else. We don't know, but God decides that you have a task as long as you live on this earth. It also means that we will not recklessly endanger ourselves. Also, that is an offense to God. If we destroy our own body by ex excessive use of alcohol or by smoking or by drug abuse, by an unhealthy lifestyle or dangerous driving or in any other way recklessly endangering ourselves, in whatever way, then we sin against the sixth commandment. Then we destroy something for which Christ gave his own life. It is a comfort, brothers and sisters, to know that Christ gave his life for us. We may receive that comfort today again in the preaching, but also in the administration of the sacrament of baptism. But it also makes us realize how important it is now to live for God. Christ gave his life for us to restore us in our position as God's image. And therefore, we must not only receive the sacrifice of Christ as a gift to us through which we receive new life, but we must also receive our new life as a task. We are told now to take up our task again as God's image. Because we are able to do so now again, washed from our sins through Christ's blood and His Spirit, renewed to a new life through Christ's Spirit. Therefore, now we must realize our high position which we have before God, created in His image, a new creation. Brothers and sisters, let us therefore honor God and glorify Him by doing what He created us for, that is, being His image, loving God and loving our neighbor. Amen.
Brothers and sisters, you now receive your community to give the Lord your sacrifices of thankfulness. And after you gave your offerings, let us then sing together from Psalm 116, the stanzas 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, and 10.
Brothers and sisters, in our prayer this afternoon, we will remember Dave and Marilyn Vandenberg. The Lord took away from this earthly life into his glory, the grandmother of sister Marilyn Vandenberg. She's also the mother of Reverend Christian. Let us not pray. Lord Almighty God, Father in heaven, you are the God of life. The God who created life, the God also who teaches us that our life is important to you, that you gave your one and only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to give us eternal life, new life, so that we may not perish and die eternal death, but live with you and for you. And glorify your name in our lives. Father, give us then that we respect life, our own life, but also the life of our neighbors. And that we not, do not take life, but that we leave that up to you. Father, we pray. Will you then give us your Holy Spirit and work in us with your Spirit so that we may live in faithfulness to you. Be with our children, that they also, in growing up, may accept and believe your promises and believe that also their life belongs to you and that they have taught to live their life with you before your face. Be with this little baby, Anna, that was baptized in this worship service. Give her that she, in growing up, may also accept and believe these promises. Be with her parents. Give them all that they need to raise the children in your, as your covenant children. Father, we thank you that you gave this new life. We also know that you take life away. You took into your heavenly glory, the grandmother of Sister Marilyn Vandenberg. And we pray, be with those who stay behind, those who continue to live on this earth, those who will miss her. Father, we know that what you do is good and that she was looking forward to being with you. We comfort those all her family and others who have to deal with this loss. Strengthen them in the coming days when they prepare for the funeral. Give them all that they stand in need of. Give them that they may deal with it in, in a way that is pleasing to you. That they all may be strengthened and comforted by your word. Father, we pray be with all those who are grieving because of the loss of a loved one. Give them all that they may find the strength and the comfort in you and in your word. Father, we pray for this world in which you live. We hear about so much misery in this world. People killing each other, killing others. 
people dying from starvation and all the disasters. So much death and misery in this world. Father, so many people who don't know where to seek their help and their strength and their salvation. And we pray, will you work with your Holy Spirit through your church, through the preaching of your word, so that many in this world may hear that wonderful gospel of salvation, that gospel of new life, life that can only be found in your Son, Jesus Christ. And will you work in such a way that many may believe the word that is being preached to them? and receive salvation, real salvation. Father, will you work with your Holy Spirit also in all those who have a task in governments, all those who are in high positions on this earth. Give them that they may be guided through the wisdom that comes from your word and not through human wisdom. Father, we can see in this world as well where human wisdom leads. So many disagreements. But often again lead to so much misery. But Father, give them that this world will acknowledge that their own wisdom cannot save us. But that your word is good. And that your commandments are good. And that they are a blessing. Father, give them all the wisdom to those who have a task in the government. And we work through the government so that under that government your word can continue to be proclaimed. Your church can be built up. Be also with your children in countries where they are persecuted because of faith. Give them that they may stand firm there and don't fear human beings. But that they put their trust in you. Only God who can give life also take life away that they may know that nothing happens against your will. And give us then that we as your entire church, together with the church of all times and all places, may look forward to that great day that you will make all things new, that your Son will return on the clouds of heaven. And we may rejoice with a multitude that no one can count. And we may live with you forever in eternal blessedness. Father, will you work in such a way that that day may come soon. We pray together with your entire church through the Spirit, come Lord Jesus. Father, in his name we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now sing hymn 83, both stanzas.
brothers and sisters, lift up your hearts to the Lord to receive his blessing and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>